0: Everybody, welcome back to What Dichos. This is your creator and host, Belen. I'm so excited for you to be joining me on another episode. I want to say thank you so much for your continued listening and for your support. So, I want to start with giving thanks. Uh, this week is the Thanksgiving episode, as it happens to fall during the weekend of Thanksgiving. And I am extremely thankful. For you to have downloaded and listened to this episode, uh, listened to all the previous episodes, and shared with me um, your stories and allowed me to share my stories and my time with you and your time with me. So I am extremely thankful. I also want to give special thanks to all of my guests that have had the opportunity to join me in every one of the episodes, as well as the behind the scenes, like... Juan Carlos here in my house, encouraging me, my daughter, my son Julian, my mom, who is constantly listening to my episodes, my sister who gives me critique, and all of my friends that uh, encourage me and ask me questions and follow up. So I want to say thank you for that. I'm sure that many of you are feeling a little weird with this Thanksgiving and probably perhaps with all the holiday season and the holiday times. I mean, it's really difficult to have to get into the the spirit of anything considering there's a pandemic and there's limitations and everything. But I think, and this is my opinion, I think this has had an opportunity to give us a chance to really understand what is important the the meaning behind everything that we do. And perhaps it's not just about the showing offness and and the pamperoness, I guess, you know, like it's really more about what generally is important to you. And I know being locked up for me has been a struggle because I enjoy going out into the world and whether it's just mindlessly walking around somewhere or, you know, actually hanging out with friends it's it's given me a chance to actually enjoy being at home and just kind of settle but there are days where i do go stir crazy and i'm like oh my god i need to get out of here so i hope you are feeling the same or maybe you feel better about it i don't know i it's important for all of us to think about what this actually means If you noticed recently, I had stopped a few weeks of recording. Um, There was a lot of different feelings that I have going into fall. I do get a lot of anxiety because of the time change. It it really messes up my whole system in terms of the sun, the sunshine. The darkness to me just seems really eerie. And the constant just rush. Everybody, once the time changes and everything goes into this dark mode earlier, everybody tends to panic. So there's like more traffic, there's more stress. You go to the stores and you just sense it. It's like this, this hive of of um, nervousness that everybody feels. And I feel that. And right around the time that daylight saving time time change happens I start to feel this way I just feel really uncomfortable uh, I start getting nervous and I start getting anxious and i short tempered and it's probably not good I mean I recognize what it is but it, it still feels like that way all the time another thing that was really itching at me that was really bothering me was the election just because it was it's just such a, it was such a drag I was so tired of hearing People talk about each other poorly, about each other, and really ignoring the pure fact of what is really important about an election is with the country and the future of the country. And there was just so much hate being spoken. And, you know, as as a recipient of that, of a group. That receives hate it just became too much like the way that spanish-speaking families or immigrants or you know anything it just suddenly became this unfortunate thing to be and i was just really stressed out and so that that's another thing that i decided to shut down for for a little bit i couldn't deal with the social media posts i couldn't deal with reading and Um, the news and how infuriating it is and you just wish it was like a movie where things just easily got fixed. But one of the biggest things about fall that makes me really nervous and I get anxiety about is the anniversary of my son's passing. To whom I want to dedicate this episode to. For many years, I have avoided talking about it too much for the reason of avoiding pity or drawing attention to myself. I think about that feeling of sadness and realize that perhaps it is not a feeling I am entitled to feel that I should just carry on and let it be part of me. That was my initial feelings. I never really spoke about it, about my son's passing, for that reason. Because I just didn't want to draw attention. And I'll get more into that later on. But I do want to dedicate this episode to him and talk about him because I believe in the the power of his presence and the power of what he obviously means to me. And as long as I keep talking about him and my family keeps talking about him, the more we remember him, then the real it becomes and the easier it will be to talk about him. So to give you a little bit of a background story, I lived in South Carolina between, for about a year. I think I I moved out there in 2011, and I came back around 2012. Uh, And while I was living in South Carolina, I found that I was pregnant in the most interesting way. So here goes that story. I was driving with my daughter, down the main road in Beaufort, Beaufort, South Carolina. And Savannah was in the back seat. She was probably a year already, a year and a few months at this point. I was driving and I suddenly felt really dizzy and my vision blurred. And I do have a history of migraines, so they didn't seem out of the ordinary, but it just, it really scared me that it happened while I was driving. Thankfully, it was in a really busy street. I mean, it was a busy road, but there wasn't that many cars. So I had a chance, an opportunity to pull over and just take a breath. And at the same time, as my vision started blurring, my heart started racing and I started feeling these palpitations and I got really scared. I got really nervous and I stayed on the side of the road for a little bit until I can calm down enough to to call Savannah's dad. I had an opportunity then at that point to make an appointment because he just said well if you don't feel good, make an appointment. I did. I made an appointment with my general practitioner, mentioned to her that I was what I was feeling in terms of the dizziness, the eye blackouts, the heart palpitations, the nervousness, and she sent me to get blood work as well as get an, e, an EKG just to test out and track the rhythms of my heart. I also had a MRI scheduled because of the vision, but that appointment got canceled. My provider called me and said, hey, we found out the reason why you're feeling this way. You're pregnant. And I was like, Whoa <laughs> was not expecting that. And mainly because I was on like birth control and breastfeeding my daughter, so I didn't really expect it. So it was kind of a really unexpected surprise. So then I let their dad know and time passed by, I was in South Carolina a few months and then we ended up moving back to California in two thousand and twelve, in August and I brought my dog, my daughter, my stuff, and moved into my parents' house. The day of my birthday, on in August 26th, we announced to everybody that we were expecting another baby, and we were excited, and everybody got excited, super, everybody got super happy. But I didn't really get a chance to go to the doctor right away, because moving from a different state under, uh, say, the same insurance required some process. So I actually didn't get a chance to visit the obstetrician for a while, and I think it was probably into my third or fourth month. I think that I got a chance to go, and at that point, I had an opportunity to find out what the sex of my baby would be, and I found that it was going to be a boy. So exciting, and. Everybody got super thrilled. My mom, my dad, my sister—you know—even Savannah, not even not knowing what was happening, she got excited because she saw us all get excited. As the time went on, I remained living in California while their dad stayed in North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, he was—he stay- was scheduled to be deployed, but actually ended up not going. Uh, but during that time, I did have a lot of stress. I was worried and stressed out about about money, you know, living with my parents. I'm thankful that I had an opportunity to, to uh, for a home to go to, so my parents' home. But, you know, I'm a 23-year-old woman with a child. At this point, I don't want to depend on my family. So I found a job, an opportunity to, to be employed um, part-time, and that allowed me to have some money for myself, for some spending money. So I worked, I was pretty stressed out about, you know, working and being tired. And and eventually, um, as ta- time passed by, um, you know, things just weren't working out too well with, with her dad. But um, I don't want to talk too much about that because that's not about, that's not the topic of this Episode. I was due February 19th. That was his due date. And I started a poll and asked my friends to kind of bet on what day he would be born. No, I do have a history of, you know, giving the kids early and by 100 percent because Savannah was actually born a whole week before she was supposed to be born. Uh, she was born on the 21st uh, and she was actually due on the 29th of April. So I'm thinking like, oh, this kid is definitely going to come early. And I just felt so gigantic. Oh my goodness, I have never felt more pregnant as I have with him. Like with Savannah, it was just a tiny little belly. And with him, I was like, I feel like my belly introduced me before I even walked into the room. <laughs> so many people actually said, hey, it, he's going to be born on Valentine's Day. And I really, really, really Wanted to avoid that. I was like, nope, I do not want him to be born on Valentine's Day because, you know, he's going to be this Dominican little boy that's going to start romancing other girls because he was born on Valentine's Day. He's like, oh, da, da. and then I did not want that. <laughs> that was my reason. It was really funny the way that it all happened in terms of his birth because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. I was honestly hoping that he would just take a little bit longer. And the week of the beginning of February. uh, So he was actually born February 14th. And I swore I didn't want that birthday, but he chose his day. I was actually at church. When I started feeling the contractions, I went to church. It was the beginning of Lent, and I wanted to cry at church, but I said, okay, God, if this is your, this is the time, then we're going to do this, so... I'm feeling the contractions as we're holding hands in prayer. I'm just squeezing my uncle's hand so tight and everybody's hand. And I just just couldn't breathe. And I was taking shallow breaths at this point. I I, I knew it was going to happen, but this was actually February 13th. And I was wait, February 12th. And I really, really wanted to wait maybe a few more days. Maybe he can get to February 15th or 16th as a birthday. And that evening, I couldn't deal. I couldn't handle the pain. I called the doctor's office, and they told me we'll we'll go to the doctor, to the hospital right away. At this point, uh, their dad had actually moved back to California for a little bit to stay, and when he came to stay for for those few weeks. He drove me to the hospital and we get there, they start checking me and they say, nope, it's not ready yet, go home and rest. I I felt so frustrated that day, that evening, that midnight, I don't remember anymore. It was the nighttime, And it, it just felt like I was it was being a burden. Like it was being a nag of having to ask. So like, okay, well, I guess take me home now. So we go home. Of course, for anybody that has had a chance to give birth, contractions are a pain. <laughs> they hurt. It's uncomfortable. You cannot lay down. You cannot sit down. You cannot stand up. You cannot do anything to find a good position. And even when you find one, you have to bear through the pain and push and breathe through the pain. Luckily, I had a one of those gigantic medicine yoga balls, and I found it I put it on the edge of the bed on the floor I sat on it and I just leaned my body forward 90 degree angles onto the bed and that's the only way I was able to sleep I slept until six in the morning when I started to feel the heavier contractions again at this point I just couldn't I couldn't even speak through them At that point, I don't recall the reason for their dad to have to stay behind. But my sister ended up driving me to the hospital that morning. And if you are familiar with Los Angeles, you should know that there's traffic at every point in the day. And that day, he was pushing to come out and that was on the 14th in the morning and so I lived at that point in mid-city and my hospital was in Santa Monica that means I had to take the 10 west in the, mini- in the middle of morning rush hour traffic my sister was driving and she's a really really good driver and she's pretty quick but whether there's traffic you can go further than what the traffic allows the best part about it is that I got in her car and it is a Ford Mustang coupe so there isn't much room <laughs> i felt every bump every pothole every everything on that road and it just exacerbated just worsened the contractions. Thankfully, she got me to the hospital safely, and I get there. They take me up to the room, settle me in. She's there with me for a little bit, and a couple, maybe about an hour later, her dad shows up, and he's there. Again, I don't recall the reason for the swap or why that had to happen, but I know that's what happened, but I'm actually... It's a fun story to tell my sister, remind her of, of the crazy driving she had to do through rush hour traffic in Los Angeles, driving west on the 10. When I arrived to the hospital, I got hooked, checked and hooked up. I said, yep, it's actually time. And I already knew I wanted to be placed on an epidural. This one that make this... Easy, relax, not having to stress about it too much. And I did. I took an epidural and it allowed me to take a nap, allowed me to sleep. When it was time to push and it was time for him to come into the world, I remember thinking, this is going to be so easy. I've already given birth once. It didn't even take that long the last time. We we're going to sail through this and we we're going to be chilling for a really long time. That started at 11 in the morning and we're like, okay, we're let's good to go. We didn't actually start into the active part of it for a while. They were just kind of like prepping me, talking to me, working through the contractions. The pushing just hurt so much despite the epidural. And it wasn't really just a, pain. It was just this feeling of being crushed and stretched stretched and trampled and turned into a pretzel at the same time. I just I couldn't believe it. In the end I pushed so hard that I was losing oxygen. I couldn't breathe anymore. So they connected me to an oxygen mask. And then the beeping began the baby was losing oxygen because he had been trying to come into this world for a while and he was starting to lose oxygen as well so another reason why they connected me to the oxygen mask and i remember just feeling so stressed out so anxious and so nervous and then on top of that in the background espn was on the tv and i just yelled turn that tv off And they turned it off. They turned it off. I'm glad. I'm glad that I spoke up because I was just getting so frustrated with hearing the sound of ESPN. That's probably why I just don't like it. I'm going to watch it. It's okay. And a few more, few more pushs and pushs and struggles and tears and everything. And at 3.33 in the afternoon on the February 14th, 2013 my little boy was born I cried so much as they placed him in my arms he just stared he didn't make a sound he just looked at me I I I couldn't stop crying my mom was wondering she was in the birthing room with me too and she wondered why are you crying you should be happy this should be one of the happiest days of your lives and it was it is but i had felt so much stress so much anxiety so much worry during my pregnancy because of everything that was going on around me that it just felt like a relief it felt like one of those pressure points at that point. And the fact that I was stuck in this moment of giving birth to him that took forever that I didn't expect for it to happen to take that long. And so I just cried. They cleaned him up, wrapped him up in a little bundle, make sure he was okay. And boy, was he huge. Gigantic little boy. And they patched me all up, cleaned me up. I had the chance to go to the bathroom, do all the process. And we were in the room for a few more hours. By the time that I was given opportunity to go to the recovery room, um, it was about 6 p.m. I didn't even notice those three hours passed by. I was just so in love with this little boy. Just peace. So much peace and 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 quiet that he had he would cry here and there but it was just a whimper as we were back in the room in the recovery room i was in my in there by myself i actually enjoyed the times by myself with my children alone without anybody there without anybody taking pictures without anything just me Him, just the way that it did with Savannah, me and her, for a little bit. As I got to see him and stare at him, and just, I was just so amazed. I unraveled him from his little swaddle taco burrito situation that they do at the hospitals and just looked at him and said, Wow, I made this. I'm so proud of myself. I made this. I made this little creature. (laughs) This is my project. Savannah came, finally, at the end of the day, with her with her presents for him. She bought him a Donald Duck, and a Mickey she had. But she bought a Donald Duck, and she had a Goofy for herself. And I told her to present her gift to him, and she was so happy to have her little brother. She adored him. That was her new doll. That was her new toy. Well, I was at the hospital. I had an opportunity to to get to know the staff and the nurses, and they're all very sweet. And I am thankful for them for being there in the beginning part. They... Hospitals tend to do a mental health check when you arrive, just to make sure that you are not in an abusive relationship and, you know, you're being, not being forced. And I said I was fine. You know, everything that I was feeling at that, up until that point was okay. But I was happy now. I had my little boy with me. The day, the, t- the day came to finally go home, packed up, went home. He's all wrapped up in his little pajamas, make it to my parents' house, and my dad is there, excited. He didn't go to the hospital because he was at work, but he was excited. My mom was present during the birth, too, and they had caldo for me. He said, Te hice un caldo. Para que te recuperes pronto And it was really delicious Caldo That caldo was so delicious It's actually one of my favorite foods But If you're part of a Latino family You know that you are fed Caldo in the hottest Of the days And But that day was actually a cold Day It was still winter time And Caldo was amazing. The weeks went by, the days went by, and my time with Sebastian was cherished. I was with him for a very long time. Breastfed him, changed him. He enjoyed sitting in the sun, was getting all warm. Eventually, with time he got bigger of course he was this quiet little bug he would make noise of course he would cry and all he wanted ever to do just felt comfortable right snuggled up next to me he ate so much He would eat and eat and eat. And that, in turn, made me hungry, 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 hungry. I would wake up in the middle of the night and just drink glasses of orange juice, heat up waffles, and put peanut butter on them with chocolate chips. And I was just hungry. Because with all the energy that I took to produce milk to feed him, I had to feed myself. I produced so much milk, I had enough frozen for a really long time and it stayed frozen for a while. I actually ended up teaching him how to use a bottle as well because I needed help. My little savvy was still about one year old. She was turning two a few months later, but I needed help with making sure that she had enough attention and the Sebastian and my dad, papi, he took on that role. After he got home from work, he would eat, and then he would help me watch Sebastian while I got Savannah ready for bed, give her her bath. It was my bonding time with Savannah, and my dad's bonding time with Sebastian and it worked it was a good process and in that time my dad i would give my dad the bottle if unless i had already fed him and my dad would just rock him on his panza and his belly put him on his chest and that's where he would fall asleep sebastian became my dad's little boy too that was his campeon I still remember the song that my dad would sing to him every single time when Sebastián got old enough to sit in the high chair. The high chair that was his sister's. So it was covered in little butterflies and little flowers. And at this point, you know, with no, not much of a job or anything, you know, or no money, hey, I wasn't gonna spend money on something else. So I must I as well use the same things. And when Sebastián was old enough to sit in the high chair, He would just slam himself on the seat, and he would just wiggle around. When my dad came home from work, every single time he was at the table, and he was so excited. He would get so excited to see my dad. And my dad would sing the song, No, 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 el coco no, el coco no. No, 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 el coco no, el coco no. And... To this day when I hear that song I imagine Sebastian dancing in his high chair and my dad dancing and sing- and singing and laughing as he as he played that song for him, as he sang that song to him. And Later on, when I actually heard the, the words to the song, I was like, this is not an appropriate song for a baby or any child. But it was just the way that my dad got so excited about telling that, that song, singing that song to him and seeing Sebastian dance around. And even Savannah would dance and, and groove along with the two. I had a lot of really good memories. And they're all mostly photographs now some videos that I've taken that I've just that I've saved photographs and videos that's all I have now yeah. I have was clothes as the months went on you know every day every month was new eventually I needed to go back to work I needed to go back to work because I needed money and Despite the fact that their dad had already been discharged, he wasn't able to find a job. So we were a little bit on the low end in terms of what we could provide. And we still had to pay rent to my parents and buy food. And so I, got, I went back to work, started working. And that's where all the milk supply that I had pumped up was really helpful because Sebastian was really good at drinking a bottle. I don't know why or how the conversation came up that we needed to find daycare for him for her, and Savannah. I think it was because i think their dad needed to go he was going to be finding he actually had found the job and there wasn't anybody to watch them during the day in the end we ended up finding a daycare center and i had really been against it because i had raised savannah by, my, by myself i the whole time she didn't have anybody watching her other than maybe a occasional friend here or there but i didn't really want someone else to be watching and raising my son or my kids at that point I wanted to do it myself but the necessity required me and my mom was actually very supportive of the idea you know what it might be a good idea that you do you have to give trust to other people you have to trust that that the world will take care of your son of your kids you know, that the systems that are in place will help provide for the when you need when you, especially in times of having to work looking back I actually think it was pretty dumb of me to even work because everything that I earned all the money that I was making ended up turning around to be paying for the daycare if at most I kept like two hundred dollars you know, for myself and to do purchases, but it was really dumb. And now I think about that when I have to, like, make career changes, as I mentioned, like as you all know in terms of unemployment. But, you know, at the time I didn't really think about it. I just knew that I wanted to work. I didn't want to feel completely useless. And the idea of having some type of income really... Motivated me, but everything that I earned, as I mentioned, uh, I was paying every week to the daycare to watch both the kids. It was a really hard time, as I mentioned, um, at that point when we started to put them in daycare. It was around September October, I believe, um, so fall was coming around. And I remember I was at work and leaving work at 4.30 or 5. It was already dark. And then I would have to rush to go pick up both Savannah and Sebastian from the daycare. And I just I just wanted to get there quickly and pick them up and, and come home. By the time November came around, I started looking for a different job because the kids were getting old enough the Sebastian was getting big enough where he can handle the bottle so I did begin applying for a few jobs um, some of them um, were paid obviously paid a little bit more and I had a series of interviews and at this point um, I was just waiting around to see what the responses were as I started to transition into Potentially resigning from the position that I had as a marketing administrative assistant and going into like a a more <laughs> more well-paying job. I was doing some a project with my current employer at the time, and one of them required me to have to go to this warehouse, which was nearby the daycare center. Um, and I actually started going there to do some printouts and uh, certain things. As November came around, as I mentioned, um, it was it's dark at this point because of the daylight savings switches, and that weekend of Thanksgiving, I prior to everything, I had already found out that I was was given that job, that I was given the opportunity to to be hired. So I was, I was selected, and I was given the new job, um, and so I was pretty much transitioning out the projects that I was working on. Uh, so that required me staying a little bit later here and there just to make sure that I finished and finalized those. On November 16th, uh, Savannah and Sebastian's dad and I officially call it quits and he moved out from my parents house and i remember the day that he left uh, after he was gone after he took all his things i felt such a sense of relief i felt things were turning around now i would have a job that would allow me to not only just pay for daycare but actually have money for myself I, I was at home with, living with my parents and two kids so that felt like safe and I didn't have to worry about the stress of being with someone that obviously didn't want to be with me anymore so at this point I just felt like a new wave of relief was coming and I felt good I was so excited I was happy I was so cheerful You know, we we stayed in contact, obviously, because for the kids and he would see them, like, it never really denied him being a dad and hanging out with them. So he would still take them and see them um, throughout the days. The following week after that was Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving week. And like I mentioned, I was trying to transition out of my position. So I was working a little bit later. And my sister was also doing um, community college and finish up her finals. So though know, she was busy and I, when I asked her for help, I couldn't really um, ask for too much from her either. So instead of taking away from their daycare, which I already had paid because I paid at the beginning of the week, I decided to take them to daycare that day and it was a Tuesday. And Tuesday, November 26th, uh, 2013, and I got up, got ready and started the day as usual. I was trying to convince my sisters like, to just stay with the kids for a little bit, you know, while go to work, but she had a final, she had a lot of work. She's like, I'm sorry, can't just, you know, daycare. care. I'm like, okay, no big deal. Nothing, nothing unusual, very normal. Um, while I was getting ready... And when I was getting Savannah ready, my sister at the time was able to help me with in the mornings. So she had Sebastian in, in the high chair in the kitchen, feeding him breakfast. And I was in the back room with Savannah. And we were just we were pretty much having a good time. I dropped them off at work, uh, at the daycare. And then I went to work. At work, everything was okay. Um... I ended up having to go to that warehouse that I mentioned that was in a daycare because of I had to pick up something, but then I also had forgotten to leave, I don't know if it was clothing or diapers or milk, or I don't know what it was, at the daycare. So I just, I stopped in to drop those things off. And I remember the lady asked me, do you want to see the kids? And I said, no, no, it's okay, don't worry, I don't want them to, to start crying because they see me just here it is, and, and I left. And I just remember seeing them through the window both him, Savannah, and Sebastián. Then um, he just kind of like smiled, and I left. But I didn't go in to to check on them or say hi to them. I just wanted to quickly drop and go, and then I went back to work. As the afternoon was was continuing, um, everything was fine. The only thing that I remember was at my desk that I had was next to a window and there was this huge yellow butterfly that if I were to find it in a butterfly database, I still cannot find it. But it was this huge, beautiful yellow butterfly that got stuck between the blinds and the window and it was struggling and I kept hearing this pitter-patter like hitting against something and I thought something was trying to break in from the outside in. It turns out this butterfly was on the inside trying to go out and it got stuck and I, it was this huge butterfly, probably the size of my hand. And I got really scared. I said, whoa, that's crazy. And I, and I scooped it up. By the time I scooped it out, it was pretty fragile, pretty damaged and it didn't last that very long. And I got really sad, thinking, oh, this poor butterfly. I was at work, and I got a phone call from an unknown number telling me it was the fire department. And that it asking me if my if I had children, I'd take care. And I said, yes, that's me. I do have two children. He said, like, okay, well, I need you to go to Cedars and Sinai in Los Angeles. At this point, I didn't even know what what was because they wouldn't give me any information. So I called the take care center and I said, "Hey, this is this is Belen. What's going on?" And they said, like, "Oh no, just follow the instructions of the fire department." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but I have two kids at take care. So if one of my children is at the hospital, what's worse, than my other one?" So I, I I get really worried. I get really stressed. I asked my my friend who was, I was working with my coworker and I tell her to please try me the Cedars. And I was the longest furthest drive that I've ever had to drive from Culver city to Beverly Hills. And I called their dad, getting him on the phone. Like, listen, this was what's happening. I don't know what's going on. They won't tell me. And my body felt cold and heavy and empty And I was scared, and I was just really hoping it was that he had fallen or that he had broken a bone or something. And I get get there, I, I let them know, hi, my name is Belen. You know, my son is here, I'm being told, and they just rushed me in. I wasn't really told anything when I got there. I walk into the emergency room. A bed where he was and his little body was on the gurney. The nurse was holding the oxygen mask on him, just pumping oxygen into him. His little body was just there in a diaper. They had him hooked up to machines and the doctor told me that he hadn't woken up, that he wasn't waking up at all, that he was being, uh, he was unresponsive. And at this point, being unresponsive for so long, they told me that most likely he wasn't going to make it. And I said, what happened? And he said he took a nap at the daycare and didn't wake up. And then the doctor indicated to me all of the different type of medicines and shots and adrenaline and everything that they were giving him pumping into his body so he could wake up. And the only thing that I remember from from that was the sense of dread and the nurse's face as she was slowly putting oxygen through that mask, that pump, and she was crying. she just cried cried and I looked at her and I knew that that her crying meant that things were not looking good the doctors and the assistants and everybody that were in there just had their faces down they looked down in sadness and I knew that At that point, he was gone. I collapsed on the floor, crying. I got up, I kissed his little body, and I cried so much, hoping that in in a way that fairy tales and Disney movies and... Magical movies have shown me that the moment that a tear falls off a face filled with love and sadness that it would magically wake him up. It didn't happen. He wasn't waking up no matter how much I cried on him. Maybe thinking that every single tear that fell on him would help him relive and come back to life. Doctor said, we can keep trying, but honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. At that point, what is there to do? I don't... I was stuck between the possibility of my them bringing back my son and him being brain dead, or not bringing him back at all. It wouldn't be the same regardless. So the nurse stopped pumping air in him. They disconnected him from everything. They wrapped him up in in a blanket little sheet and they gave me a chance to hold him. I sat on that hospital bed, holding him and crying. The same tears and the same sadness that I felt when he was born all came rushing back to me. He looked peaceful. He was asleep to me. I hoped I whispered into his ear. Baby, wake up. Please wake up. <laughs> Mama needs you. Please wake up. <laughs> I, I don't know at what point or what length of time, but his dad showed up. And he looked at me. He said, Oh, he's okay, right? But the look in my face that I had was enough for him to know that it wasn't. And I was so angry at that point. I was so angry that I blamed him. And since then, I have apologized to him. I apologized to their dad, you know, things are okay. But that moment, I felt that it was his fault. It was his fault why my son had passed away. Because he was the reason why I had so much stress. He was the reason why he left us. There were so many things that I wanted to blame him for. But I didn't say anything to him. All I did was was stay quiet. Because I know that he too was hurting because he also lost his son, not just me. It was a moment after a while that the nurses and the doctors came in and they told me that I had to let go. I didn't want to let go. I squeezed him so tight. I kept crying into his face and his arms, and he felt so cold. the last attempt of his body and his spirit I heard a final breath out I don't know if it was the fact that I squeezed him so hard that any air that was in his lungs just naturally came out I really had hoped that at that point all of the tears that I had shed over him were the reason he was coming back to me it wasn't The doctors took him away. They took us away, left him on the bed, and they covered his little body. I remember looking at him and being like, why hasn't anybody cleaned him up? His diaper was full. His face looked like he had had a really good lunch. His little arms looked, had all little specks of blood from everything they had poked him with. Why didn't anybody clean him up? I wanted to clean him up. It took us to a different room. And there was two detectives from the, the Los Angeles Police Department that had shown up to speak to us and ask us questions about when we dropped them off, who was responsible, etc. They too were trying to figure out the cause, maybe making sure that it wasn't foul play of any sort. It wasn't. They asked if I wanted to press charges for the daycare center. I didn't. In my loss, I didn't want to make other people suffer because of of it. The daycare center that I had was a family-owned daycare center. Had I pressed charges or moved forward with anything, they too would have had ruined themselves as a family, and I didn't want that. I know that through the process of the city and the county and the health department, they probably issued different warnings or citations to them and that was enough. The detectives left. I just cried again. And then I remembered where Savannah who picked her up. I don't know how long time had gone by at that point. Thankfully, my friend, I think she was the one that called. And my sister was able to pick her up. After the long period of of waiting, they take us to another waiting room, and I see my parents, my aunt and uncle, my cousins. And then my sister shows up with Savannah. She runs to me and hugs me because she's scared. She was really scared at that point because she didn't know what was going on. They gave me his items. At that point, it was just his blanket. His sweater that he had on. His pants that were cut up and I left that hospital without my son I went home and the exhaustion of having been crying for who knows how many hours the exhaustion of feeling that my heart was completely torn out of my chest I fell asleep I fell asleep holding Serena and wrapped up in Sebastián's blanket. I woke up in tears in the middle of the, the night, asleep, screaming. And I called from my mom. <laughs> I said, mommy, mommy. Mami, la mariposa. La mariposa me vino a avisar. She didn't know what I was referring to. She didn't know that I had seen a butterfly earlier in the day at work. And I told her about the butterfly at that point, and we both cried together. My mom and I believe in the spirits and the spirits announcing to their loved ones that they're gonna depart and that they announce themselves in the form of a butterfly. When my grandfather had passed away when I was in fifth grade, a butterfly, a black butterfly had placed itself on my mom's window in her bedroom and it stayed there for three days. And the third day, my mom received a phone call from Guatemala and they had notified her that my grandfather had passed away. At that point, the butterfly had passed away too. My grandfather was suffering from uh, pancreatic cancer and other a series of health conditions, and during those three days, his condition was worsening and deteriorating. So when I reminded her of that butterfly that had come to see me at work, it was that memory as well. I told her, Mami, la mariposa me vino a avisar. And suddenly the guilt of not going in to say anything to them hurts me even more every day. I had dreams, I have I have dreams, but in the beginning I had so many dreams every day of everything that I should have done that day. That I would wake up and it would all have been a really bad dream and I would just go pick up my baby and my little, my little girl, and everything would have been back to normal. I had dreams where I was being rushed out of a burning building, and then my son was still in the room and I was being pulled, pulled out, and still screaming and hollering like, no, I have to go back. My son is in that room, I can't leave. And the further and further they pushed me forward Out of that building The further away he got And I couldn't reach him That is how I feel When I think about how long it has been And how fresh that wound still feels And despite the length of time and years I'm still looking back towards the past Hoping I can grab him and bring him forward to me I'm sorry if at this point you're not able to handle this because of the tears and the sniffling. My mom mom cried with me every day. There were so many people in the house that week because it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving week. Everything had already been ordered. Everything had been prepped. So for Thanksgiving, we still had Thanksgiving dinner. Everything, family came over, but it was a very different feeling. There was no more laughter as usual. There wasn't any drinking. It was just quiet, somber eating people coming in and out of the house paying their respects to my parents to my sister to my daughter and to me at this point i don't recall what had happened to their dad i know that he had also lost his kid so i'm not sure how he was managing how he was coping A big part of me wish I should have asked him more. And I apologize for that. My son passed away November 26th at 5.30pm 2013. He was just a few months shy from turning one year old. I ask all of you that are new parents, that want to be parents, that know families, that have parents, that have kids. Remember those little moments, everything. And if people tell you you're being overly cautious, overly worried, just do what you need to do to keep your children safe at your own measures. I wish that day that I would have not gone to work. I wish that I would have gone in to see them when I dropped off those missing items. I wish that things would have stayed the same to see my little boy be seven years old. My new normal today isn't normal without my son and now when we all complain about things going back to normal through this pandemic there is no normal the normal that you feel every day what you're experiencing that is normal we're not going to be able to go back to what we were once because so many things have changed all we end up doing is just adapting to what we are given every day. At this point, November 2020, many families have lost loved ones, whether it be due to COVID, whether it be because of brutal police killings that have happened that have been over the news for a while, whether it be from from hate crimes whether it just be from natural causes or anything, those families, those people are not normal anymore. The things that made them normal has changed. I want to thank you all for for listening to my story, for crying with me if you cried with me, I tell you this story not because I want you to feel pity for me and feel sad for me. At this point, seven years later, I have done much for myself. I went back to school and finished my degree that I had started during the time that Sebastian was alive. I was able to buy a house. I found a new soulmate for me that is compatible with me and me to him things have definitely gotten better and though I am really sad about the loss of my son I don't define myself just by that anymore it is part of who I am but there's many things that have changed that continue to define me every day I do still believe in God despite that. There was a moment in time when I did feel really, really lost. But just as I had given my son to him when, one Sunday that I had taken him to church and told him, God, this is an angel for you. I ask of you to watch over him. This house of Anna had been baptized as well my children are children of God and I believe that he, he has him in his glory so despite the fact that he's gone I still thank God every day for giving me the opportunity to have known him to have him be part of me through him I have known a lots of different kinds of friendships. Many things were defined at that point. The love and the connections that have been truly meaningful were made because of his connection to them and reminds me of his ever-growing presence. And I know that as things change every year, new things happen. He will always be a part of us. My daughter, still at this point, remembers her little brother. She has anxiety and worries of her own, but I know that through time and careful conversation, she'll be able to manage them as well. My parents are still very sad and think about all of it, but they too have come forward. My sister also lost her nephew, but she too is also moving forward. We all have adapted to this new normal without him. These losses sometimes hurt a little bit more when we are hoping to create and rebuild our families. I don't ever envy anybody that has children. If anything, I get really excited. If anything, I always cry. (laughs) I cry of happiness. Because another person that I love is going to feel the love of motherhood, of children. I cry for happiness now. And crying is actually one of my favorite things to do because it's such a relief. It's such a good release keeping everything bottled up inside is never a good idea either so to all the parents to be and all new parents I would send my love and congratulations to you many blessings as well because I know that those sleepless nights have still brought forth an exciting new beginning for you Thank you again for listening to my story. If you liked to connect with me and have a more of a deeper conversation, I am open to it. If you know someone that has lost their children due to SIDS or any unfortunate reason, please reach out to loved one a professional help. There are lots of services. One of the services that I'm very proud of that I support as well is First Candle. You can find them on Instagram, on their website as well. Love everybody. Love each other. Thank you all again so much. Have a great afternoon. Adios.